just going to be me today. Allie isn't feeling too good, so it's just going to be me. Sorry for the boring uh, monologue talk, but it's just going to be this voice. So I apologize for that. That's going to not be fun for you, but it is what it is, and we're going to do it. So just to talk about a little business, um, we just passed 17,500 listens, so that's pretty freaking wild. Um... We always talk about all the time, We, whenever we started this, we didn't really think anybody was going to listen. So seeing that is just pretty incredible. 17,000 of you have heard this dumb voice. So I appreciate all of you. It really means a lot to us. Um, just a few more things. We have, if you haven't already, go check out our website, which is mysterystreetpodcast.com. We have... Uh, we have all kinds of merch up there. We have shirts, hoodies, blankets, pillows, pretty much anything you can think of we got with our logo on it. Pretty sweet. Um, we have all of our episodes up there. So from the beginning till now, all of them right there. And we also have a page on there. Uh, it's titled Contact. And if you go on there, you can send us a voice message and we'll play it on the show. So we'd love to hear from you. Go there and uh, yeah, leave us a message. The other thing we wanted to talk about, I keep saying we because I always say we when we're together. But so the last thing I want to talk about is we got some QR code stickers and we're going to send out. We finally got them in for those of you that already know about this. We finally got them in. So they're going to be going out to you guys soon. But if you don't know about this and you would like a QR code sticker along with a, a sticker with just our logo on it, just to look at a little sticker pack for you, we will send that to you free. So just send us your... Um, address just on either it's mystery history pod at gmail.com or just our Instagram mystery history podcast. We will send you a sticker pack and we just ask you that you uh, slap that QR code sticker somewhere around your town and like a brewery somewhere people go just to get kind of get the word out there. But then yeah, you also get a uh, sticker just for you to have. So we appreciate all of you who do that and uh, all of you have reached out already. So I think that is it. Oh, last but not least, our Patreon. So our Patreon, we have two tiers to our Patreon. Uh, The first one is $2, and the second one is $5. The first tier will get you next week's episode right now, so you can listen to that a week in advance ahead of everybody else. And it'll also get you a 10% discount to our merch store, so all those blankets and hoodies and stuff I talked about. 10% off all that. And then the second tier is... Um, it, you'll get next week's episode. Now you'll get a 20% discount to the store as well as a bonus episode every single Friday. So that's four extra episodes a month of us blabbering. So yeah, go check that out if you're interested. And we appreciate all of you that are already patrons. It really means the world to us that people support the show and all that. So yeah, we thank you very much. So as you can tell by the title of this episode today, I'm going to be talking about the Philadelphia experiment which is something I don't feel like a lot of people know about. It's pretty interesting to me, at least. I don't know if everybody will find it interesting, but it's one of those things that when you hear about it, you're like, mm, there's no way that's real. But 
as we'll talk about, it's not really real, but a lot of people believe it to be true, which is interesting. So let's get into it. It was the summer of 1943, two years into the United States' involvement in World War II, and a bloody sea battle was raging between American destroyers and the famed U-boat submarines of the Nazis. In the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard, a newly commissioned destroyer called the USS Eldridge was equipped with several large generators as part of a top-secret mission to win the Battle of the Atlantic once and for all. Rumor aboard the ship was that the generators were designed to power a new kind of magnetic field that would make the warship invisible to enemy radar. With the crew full on board, it was time to test the system. In broad daylight and in plain sight of nearby ships, the switches were thrown on the powerful generators, which hummed into action. What happened next would baffle scientists and fuel decades' worth of speculation. Witnesses described an eerie green-blue glow surrounding the hull of the ship. Then instantaneously and inexplicably, the Eldridge disappeared. Not just invisible to radar, but gone into thin air. Hours later, there were reports of the Eldridge appearing in the Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Virginia, before just reappearing just as suddenly back in Philadelphia. According to classified military reports, members of the Eldridge crew suffered from terrible burns and disorientation. Most shockingly, a few crewmen were found partially embedded into the steel hull of the ship, still alive, but with legs and arms sealed to the deck. Ugh. Yeah, so that's worded kind of weird. So basically, the thing, the ship was in Virginia, and then all of a sudden, moments later, it was in Philadelphia. So basically, teleported. And then, yeah, as it teleported, things got rearranged, and people were stuck in the ship. So I don't know if you've ever seen Doom, but in Doom, they have a thing. It's kind of like a transporter, and the first guy to go through it, his legs went to one planet, and his top half went to another planet. So it's kind of like that, just like things get rearranged while, ugh, that makes me sick to think about. But, so let's continue. So goes the story of the Philadelphia Experiment, perhaps the most famous and widely told example of the government experiments with teleportation and time travel. More than 70 years later, Despite the absence of any physical evidence or corroborating testimonies, the Philadelphia experiment survives as fact in the minds of amateur paranormalists and conspiracy theorists. To understand how the Philadelphia experiment really worked, we must learn about the men who first brought the closely guarded secret to light, explore the suspicious government response to their revelations, and get very diff- a very different version of the story from a surviving crew member of the Eldridge. So let's talk about the conspiracy portion. Almost everything we know about the Philadelphia experiment and the alleged teleportation of the USS Eldridge emerged from the mind of, or the mind and pen of a colorful character named Carl M. Allen, better known by his pseudonym Carlos Miguel Allende. In 1956, Allende sent the first of 50 handwritten letters to the author of amateur astronomer Morris K. Jessup, who a year earlier had published a self-research book called The Case for the UFO. In his letters, Allende criticized Jessup's naive understanding of the unified field theory, which Allende claimed to have been taught by Albert Einstein himself. So that's a pretty good teacher, I guess. A unified field theory, which has never been proven, um, attempts to merge the forces of gravity and electromagneticism into one fundamental field. That is some complicated shit. To prove that that a unified theory existed, Allende offered Jessup his eyewitness account from a nearby ship of the disappearance of the Eldridge, 
from Philadelphia, from the Philadelphia Naval Yard in 1943. Carlos Allende's letter to Morris Jessup, which explains how the U.S. military used Einstein's re- revelations to teleport an entire, entire, <laughs> entire, <laughs> oh boy, getting the tongue twisters out early. An entire naval destroyer and its crew registered the first ever mention of the Philadelphia experiment. No other witnesses from the crew of the Eldridge or nearby ships had come forward in the 13 years since the alleged event. Jessup's attempted, or, uh, Jessup attempted a serious investigation of Allende's claims, but grew frustrated with the mysterious letter uh, writer's the mysterious letter writer's inability to produce physical evidence. Jessup was ready to drop the investigation entirely when he was contacted by two officers of the U- of the U.S. Navy Office's um, Naval Research, ONR, in 1957. Although the scrawled notes were meant to look like they came from three different authors, at least one, perhaps an alien, Jessup instantly recognized the handwritings as all belonging to Carlos Allende. For unexplained reasons, the ONR officers published 127 copies of the annotated book using a Texas military contractor named Varro Manufacturing. Transcribed copies of the so-called Varro editions, whether real or forged, would become prize collector's items for the conspiracy theorists. Sadly, Jessup's story took a tragic turn. Injured in a car accident and split up from his wife, Jessup committed suicide in 1959. Carlos Allende lived until 1994, sporadically sending letters to anyone who would listen to his fantastical tale of the Philadelphia Experiment. So now let's talk about the real Philadelphia Experiment. For decades, Carlos Adende, a.k.a. Carl Allen, was the sole witness of the alleged um, supernatural events surrounding the 1943 Philadelphia Experiment. Carlos claimed to have been stationed on the, U- or the SS Andrew Furuseth, a vessel docked in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard with a clear view of the Eldred when it disappeared. So I'm sorry, earlier it's, uh, I, th- I said it went from Philadelphia to Virginia, or I said it went from Virginia to Philadelphia, but it actually went from Philadelphia to Virginia, just to clear that up. Um, much later, after the re- release of the 1984 film, The Philadelphia Experiment, a man named Al Bielek came forward claiming to have personally taken part in the secret experiment, which he had been brainwashed to forget. Only after seeing the movie in 1988 did his repressed memories come flooding back. Despite the ins- the insistent and constant evolving claims of both men, it was the testimony of a third witness that ultimately shed some light on what may have really happened in the Phil- in Philadelphia during that wartime, or during wartime of summer 1943. In 1994, French-born astrophysicist and ufologist Jacques F. Vallée published an article in the Journal of Scientific Exploration titled Anatomy of a Hoax, the Philadelphia Experiment 50 Years Later. In writing a previous article about the Philadelphia Experiment, Vallée asked readers to contact him if they had any further information about the alleged event. That's when Vallée received a letter from Edward Dugedin. Dugedin. I'm definitely not saying that right, but that's what it says. Dugedin. <laughs> Who served in the U.S. Navy from 1942 to 1945. Man, that's, some, that's bad years to serve in the Navy, I feel like. Out of any three years in history, those are not good. <laughs> Here we go again. Dugedin that guy, had served on the USS Ingstrom, which was dry docked in Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia Naval Yard during the summer of 1943. Dudgeon was an electrician in the Navy and had full knowledge of the classified devices that were installed on both his ship and the Eldridge. 
which he said were the same at that time. Far from being teleportation engines designed by Einstein or aliens, the devices enabled the ships to scramble their magnetic signature using a technique called degaussing. The, ship, the, the ships were wrapped in large cables and zapped with high-voltage charges. A degauss ship would be invisible to radar, but would be undetectable, or wouldn't, they would not be invisible to radar, I'm sorry, but would be undetectable by U-boats' magnetic torpedoes. Dudgeon was familiar with the wild rumors about the disappearing ships and mangled crewmen, but credited the fabrications to loose sailor talk about invisibility to torpedoes and the peculiarity, what a word, of the degaussing process. The green glow was probably due to an electric storm or St. Elmo's fire. As for Eldridge's mysterious disappearance in Norfolk and the sudden return to Philadelphia, Dudgeon explained that the Navy used the inland canals off-limits to commercial vessels to make the trip in six hours rather than two days. Hmm, that's interesting. In another turn of events, the Philadelphia Inquirer reported in 1999 of a reunion of sailors who served on the U.S. Eldridge in Atlantic City. The sailors said the ship never docked in Philadelphia. Indeed, it was Brooklyn on its supposed date of disappearance. The ship's log confirmed this. Further, the captain said no experiments were ever conducted on the vessel. Despite the differing accounts, both Dudgeon and the Eldridge crew confirmed that nothing otherworldly happened to the ship. Yet people continue to believe otherwise. We'll look at some of the reasons why the hoax has endured more than 70 years. The Philadelphia Experiment Today Despite its near-universal debunking as a hoax, the Philadelphia Experiment endures as a paranormal cult- cultural landmark. Man, that's a tough one. Paranormal culture. In the 1984 movie, based loosely on Carlos Allende's original narrative, was hardly an Oscar contender, but its 80s-era special effects were good enough to plant some indelible images into the moviegoer's mind. One particularly graphic scene near the end of the film depicts a badly burned crew member writhing in the deck of the Eldridges with half of his body swallowed up in steel. Yeah, that'd be pretty terrifying. In his article explaining the uh, stickiness of the Philadelphia Experiment's myth, Jacques F. Vallée theorizes that the powerful imagery is key to the success of any long-lived hoax. Like the debunked surgeon's photo of the Loch Ness Monster or the doctored pictures of the Cottingley Fairies, it was clear mental images of a disappearing ship and the mangled crewmen that helped capture the public's imagination. The plausibility of the Philadelphia Experiment's story is also fortified by the general mistrust of the military and federal government, which have admitted to carrying out unethical experiments on their own soldiers and citizens. The claims are lent to further legitimacy by invoking the names of brilliant scientists like Einstein and associating the secret technology with a scientific theory that remains just out of reach. Though the ONR said it never conducted experiments on invisibility and that such experiments could have only happened in science fiction, True believers think it is one more case of the government performing a cover-up. So that is basically all of the written information that is available on the Philadelphia Experiment. But again, I just thought it would be an interesting one to do because, like I said, I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware of this conspiracy. And I know a lot of people like to dig into different conspiracies and lean this way or that way. But I just think it's an interesting one because it could either be, yeah, it could be the government just trying to cover something up that they did that was... Wild. I mean, that's, I don't know, that could be possible. Or it could just be a crazy guy who is a science fiction author already 
and just wanted uh, some material. It is a very, if that's what it was, he did a good job because he's, was, what, 70 years later now, and he's still got people talking 80 years later, and he's, yeah, still people are talking about it. But, yeah, so it, go watch that movie. There's some pretty crazy parts in it. I also just want to say most of this information came from HowStuffWorks.com. If you haven't never been to that website, go check that out. They have so many interesting articles, and they have fantastic podcasts as well. The How Stuff Works podcast, uh, Stuff That I Want You To Know, is a good one for conspiracies. But yeah, so just, they make amazing content, so go check them out. There's another movie, I'd have to look it up. Let me see if I can find it here. It's I, It was like the Dyatlov Pass and this combined. Um, let's see, Philadelphia... Experiment movie. Very basic search here. <laughs> All right. It was on Netflix a while ago. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. The Devil's Pass is what it's called. So basically, it they go, they're college students that are in, they live in Oregon. They go to Russia for the Dyatlov Pass incident. And then they go down, they find that the, the Dyatlov Pass is like a secret, uh, like a base kind of thing. It's like a military thing. And then they go down and then it gets, they find stuff relating to the Philadelphia experiment. So it's kind of a cool, if you love conspiracy theories, it's definitely a cool movie because it's, it kind of covers a bunch of different ones all in one. So yeah, check that out. And yeah, let me know what you guys think of this. Do you think it's real? Do you think it's a hoax? What do you think? What do you think it is? So again, I apologize. It's kind of a shorter one. It's hard to do. It's hard to just, I can't, I'm not a good rambler, so I can't sit here and talk to myself. I know a lot of people that podcast are, they just have solo podcasts, and I, that blows my mind. I don't know how you can sit and talk for a while. I don't like the sound of my own voice, so I can't, I'm not a fan of that. But yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, go check out com. Get yourself a t-shirt, pretty sweet, pretty cool shirts. Um, yep, to go check out the episodes, other episodes. I promise the ones that are not just me are better. I just apologize for my boring voice. Um, yeah, go to the Patreon. Go do that. Go do some stuff, cool stuff. Have a good day. Enjoy your week. All right. Thank you all for listening. Peace.